Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. Welcome to Buzz in Baltimore, the podcast about craft beverages in Baltimore and beyond. Um, I am joined here by Holly Stevenson, the head brewer of Guinness. Holly, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, any any you know chance, any excuse to come to Guinness is great. We have a couple flight boards in front of us, so I can't wait to dig in. Um, so Holly, if we could just start, if you could talk a little bit about um, you grew up in Maryland, correct? No, actually, I grew up in southern Georgia. Southern Georgia? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you had yeah. some Maryland background no, in there so, somewhere. So the, there is a tie. So I was born and raised in southern Georgia, and then I lived in Washington, D.C. for about a decade. So gotcha. that's kind of my adult home okay. when I look back of all of my travels. So um, what was growing up in southern Georgia like? Uh, it was hot and... Um, I got out of there as soon as I could. <laughs> Fair enough. That yeah, was a really small town. Um, cool, cool rural way to grow up, but just wasn't really for me in yeah. the long run. Yeah. Did you <laughs> always think you were more of a city person and wanted to gravitate that way? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I love the diversity of options in a city, and um, I don't know. I'm a foodie. I like consuming all sorts of things, yeah. food, drink, culture. So yeah, so I'm a city girl for sure. But yeah, I, I get these, I get these funny kind of identity crises every now and then. So like, I drive a pickup truck with a toolbox, and I still <laughs> listen to a little bit of country music. But so that's Southern Georgia yeah. still in you for sure. <laughs> but that's yeah, awesome. so Baltimore is cool because uh, I was already, I already knew and loved it, and. Uh, it's kind of full circle. Like my best friends are still in DC, so that's awesome. Yeah. So how did you sort of get into the crazy world of of craft brewing, and and what age was that, and all that? Man, it was around nine or ten years ago that I really kind of started pursuing it as a career, and uh, probably only a year or two before that that I really started drinking beer um, mm-hmm. kind of fanatically. Um, I got into beer in D.C. through the Brick Skeller, you know, one of the old, like, classic right. institutions now, unfortunately, closed. But um, I think my, my entryway beer from an import standpoint was Orval. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's And that's still, yeah. like, cult favorite, I would yeah. say. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's still one of my favorites. And then I... Then I, I think the first time that I had a dark beer, actually, I saw some people walking around. I was at a concert, and I'm like, wow, they look pretty cool walking around with beer that's not <laughs> pale yellow. I wonder what that is. And it was a Beta Turbo Dog. Oh, my gosh. And so that was kind of my other my other gateway. That's funny, because I would say a lot of people's gateway to dark beer is probably Guinness. And yeah. It's ironic that yours wasn't, but... Well, yeah, it is yeah. funny that it happened that way, but, I mean, I around that same time, obviously, you kind of start dabbling, and, and Guinness was not far behind. I think I... I first started, um, my obsession with Guinness really started during, I'm a big soccer fan, so I yeah. religiously watch World Cups, and so going to Irish bars during World Cup and drinking Guinness. That's what you get at Stout. Yeah. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, I mean, you have such an impressive craft beer resume. You've worked at Stone in San Diego and, and Highland Brewing in Asheville. Um, I actually just got to, I've been to both, I just got to Asheville for the first time, oh, and awesome. it is like... I mean, everybody knows it, but a craft beer lover's paradise down yeah. there. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so talk about what those experiences were like for you. How long were you at, at each of those breweries? I was at each for about three years each. Um, it's it's kind of cool looking back at everything stacked up. Being Guinness now and previously Highland and Stone, realizing how lucky I am to have been with well-established kind of legacy breweries that have done a lot to shape culture for 
you know, for beer. And so, um, yeah, it's it's crazy. The my but my experiences have been so drastically different. So uh, I started at Stone in an entry level position, but I had had a previous white collar career. So I had you know I had I was older than most of the other entry level you know weird assistants, yeah assistant brewers and um, at the time the industry was growing by leaps and bounds. Still you know someone's growing twenty thirty percent a year. So over the course of three years, like. I probably gained as much experience as some some people may like over the course of much of right, my career. Because you were growing in leaps and bounds. Exactly. And, and there's something to be said too of starting entry level. You're learning the fundamentals and yeah. you know every position. And so luckily, yeah, I was able to move up pretty quickly and with more responsibility because of my background. And just so happens I had a knack for brewing too, which was lucky. I <laughs> <laughs> worked out. Yeah. <laughs> so that was incredible. And then, um, so I really got a really good process foundation uh, from Stone and kind of validation that I'd made the right decision in the career move. And then at Highland, um, rather than doing process, which is why I thought I was going there, I ended up getting a lot of experience um, managing a beer portfolio and actually doing recipe development. Oh, wow. So it was kind of the uh, this kind of became very much more well-rounded at that point. Right, and so you were actually coming up with what kind of hops you were going to use, the amount of yeah, XYZ. Exactly. Highland hadn't updated their lineup of beer in quite a while and so there was a lot of a lot of room to be creative and uh, that was it was just such a unique opportunity and it was unexpected even and you got to spend time in like two arguably the coolest cities ever i mean i mean Asheville was amazing i mean it's like living in vacation land for three years you know and everybody's attitude there is just like so how it should be Mm -hmm. and everyone's super open a lot of good people and the family that owned highland that owns highland is just you know, they're just the best people you could you could want to meet. And really good beer. Yeah. Yeah. And very good beer. <laughs> For sure. So how did the um, opportunity to work with Guinness come about? Did they come to you? Were you pursuing a new job? How did that sort of start? I think, well, so I don't know how I've heard it told is, uh, so <laughs> a, a, a Diageo contingent came through, um, came through Highland and they were kind of on a brewery tour of different hubs in the U.S. I think it was kind of when they were had eyes on opening up a, a brewery here. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got to meet a bunch of people, and then and I know they, they got to talk to to a bunch of people in Asheville, and I, I guess my, my name got put on a short list. Or, yeah. I mean, I guess it was a long list at first. <laughs> Ended up being a short list, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so it was kind of incredible. Like, out of the blue, I got a phone call, and... And I, it was, I was just really excited to learn more. I was kind of astounded. I couldn't really compute exactly what was going on at first. Wow. And you, was, yeah. oh, and you spent time studying um, in England at the Brew Lab. Yeah. Did that have lab. anything to do with sort of Guinness wanting you? I mean, I'm sure it couldn't hurt your chances. Yeah, I think, I mean, Brew Lab was really my foot in the door, I think, for Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just the foundation that I really needed to, to I don't know really spring from um it was a concise program it was amazing it was qa focused which was awesome um i got to do practical work as well so um i'm pretty sure that basically got me the stone job got it yeah but then <laughs> did those sort of brewing techniques over there you know is there a relationship between what you learned there and kind of what Guinness was looking for or what you're doing here or yeah i think i mean there's definitely absolutely a, a it's related because I learned to brew traditional ales and, you know, we're, we're brewing mostly ale here. 
Um, but I don't think it. I think it, at the point that I started here, it was more about how I'd round how I'd rounded out my resume, right? More so than just kind of education credentials. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, were, was there any hesitation for you with the whole process of Guinness to go somewhere so huge after being on this? I mean, Stone arguably is really big, but mm-hmm. it's you know there's still microbreweries, mm-hmm. and, and now you're going to this giant beer corporation. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was there was some hesitation. Um, I mean, it, w- it wasn't so much hesitation. I knew the decision was right. Um, but it, there was a little bit of discomfort at first. Yeah. You know, um, what, what are people going to say? How are people going to take it? Um, my other you know, craft brewing friends. But, you know, so many people are fans of Guinness. Right. And, um, you know, and what we're doing here is actually right in the middle, size-wise, of what I what I did at Highland and what I did at Stone. Okay. So we're actually smaller than half the size of Stone mm-hmm. on this site. I'm not talking about the pilot brewery. I'm talking about the production brewery. Right. And um, you know, and we're only maybe 30, 40 percent bigger than what than Highland um, in terms of the equipment. So this is like your sweet spot. Yeah. So it's yeah. awesome. And I get you know we have this amazing two-barrel pilot system that we're going to do really cool research with. Um, old yeasts and bacteria that we have banked from this site, from when it was a Seagram site, and also with, with things that are in the Dublin bank. We've got the 10 barrel pilot system, you know, right outside these walls. Yeah. That is just a gorgeous showpiece, but also one of the funnest breweries I've ever, you know, worked on. And um, we're going to be filling a lot of barrels off of there. We've got a bottle, a tiny bottling line, a tiny can, uh, can line. We're going to do on-site only releases, and then and then you got your then, big boy. Yeah, and then the, and then the yeah the quote unquote big one, which actually you know the size of it leaves us a lot of flexibility to do things regionally. Like not everything has to be huge and national, so. I don't know. It's just re- it's really exciting. Yeah, it's really cool. And yeah. for for those who don't know, Guinness is located um, sort of near near Halethorpe, near Relay, um, and it's on a site that's always been used for manufacturing liquids in one form or another, um, which is really really cool because you're sort of keeping up this heritage and this legacy of what it used to be. Yeah. Um, and then you can reuse things like the barrels you mentioned, and I know some of the build outs and things were reused. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this thing that just kind of propped up out of nowhere. You're you're maintaining manufacturing which is which is yeah. really cool yeah barrel houses in our name the open gate brewery and barrel house and um you know there's most of the buildings on this site are old rick houses so yeah uh, i'm excited to you know put them back into use but for beer for the first time yeah and i yeah. think i totally and i think people get a little bit nervous when they hear oh, a big development and all this and i did an, an interview with some folks who've lived in relay all their lives and and i asked them you know what do you think and they they were like hey it's creating jobs it's you know keeping this a manufacturing zone we couldn't be happier and, and i think yeah. the guy was a big beer drinking fan yeah, so i think cool. from I mean, personally he was oh, excited yeah. i mean the the local community has definitely been good um we have tons of local uh local business which is cool because yeah. it's kind of at first you're wondering like oh is it going to be all tourists mostly tourists yeah, yeah. how was it going to be like but it's you know i think we opened the temporary tap room mm-hmm. across the property uh, a, a year before we opened this and i think that really helped to kind of connect with the community and bring people in show them what we were going to be doing and, and yeah. not kind of people feel like a part of it which is awesome because that's they are like we're happy to be in this community and we're very specifically in this community um, yeah, that was so unique of you. I thought that was really smart and unique of Guinness to open that 
test tap room um and so it didn't seem like, like this mysterious place that knew it, no one yeah. knew what was going on yeah. um <laughs> did you and, and people were able to try your beers did you hear yeah. any feedback that you know affected how you were brewing from that test tap room oh definitely yeah yeah i mean we at every region i've lived in people have different tastes mm-hmm. and so that's one fun thing to learn uh, and that's been that's been fun to learn here What's the Baltimore taste? I'd love. I don't. To, I'd love to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't say that I would generalize about about Baltimore. Yeah. Um, but when I look at our at our sales, there are some very interesting trends that I might not have expected. Interesting. As I take a sip of my guava saison. There, there you go. Mm. So people like in Baltimore, do you think we're more adventurous, less adventurous, like things? Oh, know? no. I mean, I think Baltimore is adventurous and becoming even more so. That's it's awesome. so cool. Yeah. I mean, this the beer community here is just doing a great job. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe... The beers that I've drank here from breweries that are so young are just, like, really... It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing amazing. what's happened in five years, let alone the last time you were around. I'm sure the change just seems exponential. Yeah, it really is. It's crazy. Um, So, speaking of beers, we have, like I mentioned, we have these flights. So, I wanted to talk, um, obviously, the big system that you're working on, you're brewing Guinness Blonde. I think a lot of people have seen it um, with the Maryland flag on the can around. um, And I just wanted to kind of sip it, and I want you to describe how that brewing process is unique for Guinness, um, and then sort of what the flavor profile is yeah. like. And incidentally, this the the reformulation that we did of this beer um, was largely informed by the test tap room as well. Oh, cool! So that was another cool cool thing to come out of that. So okay, yeah, keep going, and I, I'll be curious to see like what kind of changes you made along the way. Yeah. Too. So actually, the tweaks were really small. Like I think it always helps when you're able to bring uh, bring your brewing under your own roof. Yeah. You know, you you can guarantee your own quality. You can you know maintain a degree of freshness that you might not otherwise be able to maintain when you're being juggled in a, in someone else's brewing schedule. Right, exactly. Um, but it's, you know, got this nice golden color. Yeah, so we lightened up the color a little. Hmm. Uh, we lowered the, the caramel malt. So it now just kind of has, instead of being really malty sweet and caramelly, um, yeah. it's just kind of like on the finish. So the beer is able to feel and taste drier on the front and the middle of your tongue. Right. Um, and then we we updated the hop bill, so it's still not a hoppy beer by any mm-hmm. means, but you can smell and taste just the hints of citrus that we get from the citra and the mosaic. Mm. Whereas before we'd been using some some classic old hops like Willamette and Mount Hood. Yeah, I think yeah. I even remember tasting Guinness Blonde in the test tap room and re- remembering thinking it was hoppier than I expected. Mm-hmm. Like I expected it to drink like a pilsner a little bit. Yeah. And um, this is definitely a little bit closer to that. Yeah. It's really easy drinking. Yeah, the ones in, the, the early ones in the tap room were, <laughs> were you guys were having fun. Like all the hops. <laughs> you were having all a good the hops, time. Please. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I mean, I think I think blonde is quickly becoming, you know, Baltimore's favorite light beer. I, I keep seeing it, especially the can. It's just so good in like yeah. a nice cold can. I it's, think we really dialed in the the balance on this, and I've really been enjoying drinking it around town for yeah. sure. Yeah, and another thing, just to specify for people that don't know, the Guinness Stout is not brewed here in Baltimore. Um, right. That's still only brewed in Dublin. But I know you guys have taken a lot of fun field trips over to Ireland. So what has that been like? What have you learned, and what have you kind of brought back from those experiences here? That's been, yeah, that's been really awesome. I mean, the expertise that lies all in one place in Dublin is just, it's when you're there and you kind of see the magnitude and you meet all the people, it's just incredibly overwhelming and like just humbling and it's 
freaking awesome. Yeah. It really like <laughs> sets the context for what kind of what you're being given the the privilege to, to do. Right. So, you know, if we are able to even reach half of that, you know, that's here in the U.S. in terms of history and size, then that's going to be amazing. You're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. What, what did, um, so for people that have visited um, the brewery over in Dublin, what features of uh, the brewery over here are similar, you know, with the tasting room experience mm-hmm. and all of that, and what are what are different? Yeah, think? so the Open Gate Brewery, and uh, there's an Open Gate Brewery in Dublin, the first yes. Open Gate Brewery, um, and they're relatively new as well. So, um, but they've been, they've been, uh, I guess from a, from a retail standpoint, they're relatively new, but they've been testing things for, you know, for different different markets for Guinness for a long time so they have this really cool kind of piece together brewery with random cool equipment and they're like oh yeah we we use that that one time for that one trial and I'm like oh my god like, <laughs> you're I like geeking out I wish I had that yeah yeah <laughs> um so yes but they're you know they're they're very much trying to move the Open Gate brew there to the to the model that we have here which is mm. um having a much more noticeable store you know retail front and kind of connecting more obviously with drinkers who want to try new things right um and then as far as the the st james's gate the production brewery goes i mean it's much bigger than what we have here right. which is crazy because yeah. this is i mean it's big here too yeah. but they just it's a whole nother level but it's cool to think about we have you know there's there's the guinness way of brewing and there are standards that we have to, that we all have to meet and uh and we share those so um was that a tough adjustment kind of going by those standards as well or i think more the uh, the standard of quality wasn't a tough adjustment, but uh, we're still some of that. We're figuring how to mold it to our site because it's, you know, there we're totally different sites right. making totally different beer. Um, so that's been a really interesting challenge um, and fun. I mean, it's, it's yeah, always fun. Yeah, you're like <laughs> melding all these different worlds yeah, together and seeing sure. how it works. Um, so what are some of your, and maybe if they're on the flight board, that would be even better, but some of your sort of favorite experimental beers that you've been able to put out, um, any ones that have surprised you or just excited you along the process? Uh, definitely. Well, so they're, they're def- I would say that uh, IPA. So, so, you know, we have the core set of beers that we brew in the pilot brewery here. Right. Well, we have Blonde off the, the production brewery, but then we have Milk Stout, White Ale, and IPA off of the pilot brewery that are always going to be on the list. And then the the rest of the time, the you know the other 10 experimental taps are always going to be rotating. Rotating, got it. But IPA was the second brew off of the two-barrel brew house, and we've never changed it. And so this one... Even through the test tap room, you were like, yeah. we're sticking with it? Yep. Yeah. So this one is just an old favorite it's a nice mix up between uh it has it has west coast ipa dryness Mm -hmm. and west coast hops um but it kind of it has a has a nice mouth feel and a slight haze because uh we don't filter out the uh out the hop, out the hop oil. So. And is that the non-filtering? Is that part of the standards or part of just a, a creative choice? That was just a creative choice. Yeah. And there's got there's some stone influence in this a little bit. Yeah. Those West Coast hops. Um, but it's not. I mean, it's not the kind of West Coast hoppy beer that's like super right. skunky and. It's uh, definitely not IBU forward. Right. Right. No, it's, it's nice and yeah. subtle. Yeah. What's the ABV on on this one? This is six and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's also just a little bit under kind of your typical seven percent West Coast. And do you think there's, and we can get into this a little more, but even saying Guinness has an IPA, I think for some people is like, what? And yeah. kind of mind-blowing. So yeah. 
How do you sort of change people's perspective or expand people's perspective on Guinness when it comes to that? Uh, some people are ready to dive in. Yeah. You know, and then some people I've noticed through the locals anyway um, have kind of eased into it but have really gotten into it. So, right. you know, they'll, they'll, at first they would just come and drink Guinness and uh, the, the Guinness draft and but then, you know, they'd, you'd see somebody take a, a sip of their friend's, you know, mm-hmm. blonde trial taster at the time. You know? Yeah. And then they'd kind of get interested and they'd be like, oh, there's there's all these ones that I could line up and compare. And then they'd start trying more and more. And then they'd be like, oh, well, I found out my, my wife really loves IPA. And, and I still come to drink Guinness, but she loves IPA. And then, you know, I don't know. People just evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's. I think yeah. it's. It's interesting. It's like people go with what they're comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, and that that's definitely a very Baltimore thing too. People are a little averse to change. They yeah. like what they've grown up with, um, and so I think when they heard Guinness was coming, I think people were really excited for Stout. But I, I know for a fact that you've been able to change people's minds, and that's got to be really gratifying it's to see that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. So this is my favorite. Still one of my all-time favorite, and it's in the core. It's here all the time. It's, um, I mean, it's it's a delicious IPA. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that, especially because it gets a little cooler this time yeah. of year. And I'm a, yeah. Move from blonde to IPA. Totally. I'm a hophead in general. We've had a Northwest IPA, which is basically like a classic throwback red IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and black IPA, which I wish was a thing commercially yeah. because I love drinking them. But It just doesn't sell. Just, I mean... Not not super well. Right. Yeah. It's not super viable. Maybe not yet. Yeah. Maybe we'll have our, our black IPA I'm gonna, it's trend. It's going to show up again every now and then. I feel like right now what I'm hearing, I mean, there was the, obviously the New England haze and all that, but right now I keep hearing about uh, super dry beers. That seems yeah, to be the, the brood IPA. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be the big trend right yeah. now. Um, I don't know. So I feel like we're going to see more and more of that. Yeah. It takes Baltimore a little longer, but when I start hearing about it in Denver, I'm like, okay, well, wait, <laughs> wait a couple months, it'll be here. Yeah. Um, sure. So... Next up is the Crosslands. Do you want to tell people a little bit about kind of that project? It's really cool how collaborative and local that is. Yeah, so this one has been, uh, this is actually the second in what will be hopefully at least a quarterly you know, series of rotating releases. The first one we did was just a really simple pale ale with Maryland-grown barley and Maryland-grown hops from uh, Dark Cloud Malt and uh, Black Locust Farms. Uh, for the hops, and uh, that was that was super cool. It was it went over really well, um, and then uh, for this this one, we partnered with Apex Honey. Mm-hmm. So they're like right around the corner. They've got hives three miles from here. That's so cool. Yeah, when I first hit up the guy randomly on email, he's like, "Hey, if you see bees on your site, they might be <laughs> I was hives. Say, bees <laughs> might be floating floating over to Guinness. That's pretty close." <laughs> so yeah, so we got 240 pounds of raw uh, wildflower honey from him for this beer. And you got to go visit and kind of see their operation and everything. Yeah, so I didn't make it over to the um, to the hives yet, but I went over to where they package. And then when we did the release of the of the beer, they um, they brought a demo hive. Oh wow! So we actually had a, a cool hive here. How do they transport that? I, and how does no one get hurt? Yeah, I have right? so many questions. No, I love bees, cool. but I'm like, yeah, the man knows bees. So, That's amazing, yeah. and they're super important. And so doing things like this obviously promotes yeah promotes bee health. Um, so what was your inspiration? Obviously, what did you want to get out of the honey and into the beer? Uh, so I specifically chose wildflower because he said it was the strongest of the flavors that he had, and also 
the most inconsistent. So hmm. I, I so was, you like so that? It piqued my curiosity, and you know, and also I was like, okay, it's going to be there. And definitely, as this beer warms up, you can taste it more. And a lot of times when you have honey beer, people think they're expecting to taste like sweet, honey, super like sweet. honey night, honey nut Cheerios, right? Mm-hmm. But for this one, you still still definitely get the the honey flavor, but without all the sweetness. Warm it up a little mm-hmm. bit. It's a little bit on the nose, but it's su- mm-hmm. it's subtle. It's not like caramel honey or anything like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I definitely get it most in the flavor. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little I'm, bit in the finish. Yeah, 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 for sure. And what's the ABV on this one? It's re- it seems really drinkable. Oh man, this one's like seven three. It is. Oh, oh yeah, this one's dangerous. I think so. Like or maybe it was itself. maybe it was six three. I don't know. It's it's, it's up a, there. Yeah. I mean, I would have yeah. thought more of a five. We kind of we've designed the beer too to kind of be biscuity. We're thinking honey and biscuits, honey and tea. So we mm. use some hops that kind of reminded us of tea and a very biscuity malt bill. Honey and biscuits. You're so right. That's amazing. <laughs> And then is this, how long is this available in the tap room? Uh, wow, it's going super fast. I think the first two days we had on tap, we sold like 10 kegs. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so it might only be around for another so week or two. This is a limited time yeah. beer, so yeah. get the get the crosslands. I'd love to make this particular one again, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's cool about doing these series. You can kind of find ones that are your yeah. favorites along the way. Totally. Um, all right, cool. So... And the next one, and we can talk a little bit. Um, yeah, let's move on to the the guava. So this one, I would think, would be one that you hear Guinness, and you don't necessarily think guava. Yeah, and this saison. is the only one I, we used a commercially available saison yeast for this. So this is the only one that doesn't have Guinness yeast. But by the way, all of these have a teeny bit of Guinness roasted barley in them, though. Okay. No matter how light they are, even, even the saison, all of them. Wow, every single one. But besides the saison, everything has Guinness yeast. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. And we use, oh man, probably close to 500 pounds of uh, guava puree wow. in this. I mean, it jumps right off the nose. Even when we ordered it upstairs, mm-hmm. like you guys didn't even have to get it from the bar and I smelled it already. It's- what I'm super happy with with this one though is that it didn't, we didn't use so much that it took the Saison character away. Like it still mm-hmm. has, you still get the Belgian yeast character, yeah. kind of peppery. Um, and the flavor changes so much as you as you drink it. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's still amazing. super dry. You didn't get a lot of of clean sweetness from Mm-mm, the fruit. No, at all. you smell it and you think it's going to be super sweet, mm-hmm. and it's it's really nice and dry. Yeah, this is a this is a crowd favorite right now. I would imagine. So, how long is this one going to be on? Do you think? Uh, this one went on for Baltimore Bee Week, so it'll, it'll probably be on two or three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. You guys really do rotate them. I mean, I guess people are just drinking that fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the little old rye stout over here, yeah, which is yeah. one of the brewer favorites right now. It's been around a bit longer than that, but... Yeah, so we can talk about the rye stout as well. Yeah. So is this sort of your guys' way of saying, okay, we, we're kind of going to brew a stout a little bit. It won't be the same, yeah. but... Yeah, so, I mean, we've brewed a bunch of stouts. We have the milk stout and the core lineup uh, that we'll always have on tap. But um, we've got International Stout Days coming up on November right, 2nd. Right, So we've got a, a black currant stout coming out for that, which is kind of a throwback to, like, the Irish bars where people that... People used to ask for pumps of black currant syrup in their stout. Oh wow! So we're gonna have and they that just one had on. that on hand. I guess that's something they have over there. 
Well, so I got I got a bunch. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, just, sure, black currant syrup. Yeah. Oh, I'll just right pull up. it out of my pocket. <laughs> but I bet that was delicious. Yeah. I mean, that sounds amazing. So I'm excited. I never used it before, so I wasn't really sure about the rate, but it's it's tasting good in the fermenter. I'm hoping it, I'm sure that's going to dial back just a tad when we when we filter it. But I can't wait to try the oh, that sounds really good. So you guys are yeah. doing an event for International Stout Day? Uh, we'll have two or three beers. Yeah, that we'll release specifically for International Stout Day. So okay. Any yeah. other details we want to talk about that? It's November first. Okay. Oh, it's not the second. No. Oh, first. that's okay. Whoops. <laughs> so, Etsy. This is why PR exists. This is so great. We have Julia in the room now. So November first. What's the time? Really? Thursday all day. November 1st, because that's when the actual day itself is, maybe? Yeah, is that what it I is? I took November 2nd off. <laughs> Again, um. why we do podcasts, we're figuring these things out together, guys. And isn't it crazy that they have it like these days for everything now? I mean, International yeah. Style Day, that's a great, that is one I support, but it's crazy working at Baltimore Magazine and it's like, International Pecan Pie Day, and I'm like, <laughs> what kind of content well, do we have for that? Yeah, but also I kind of want Pecan Pie Day. I know, so. right. Not mad at it, but it's just so specific. Yeah, it's crazy. Really funny. Um, so is the this rye stout going to so, be yeah, available on at the event as well? The rye stout will probably be gone by then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean this stout it's five and a half percent alcohol, so I mean by by our standards it's fairly sessionable. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just I, I think it's one of uh, the favorite stout that the brewers have made so far. It's really. I mean, it's just. I think I'm drinking this one a little bit. Faster than the rest. Mm-hmm. Just so definitely chocolate. not as creamy of a mouthfeel as the typical as the Guinness Stout, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. definitely not. Yeah, I mean, we haven't put anything. Uh, we haven't nitrogenated anything yet. Got it. Uh, but we're actually brewed one today that I intend to nitrogenate. Oh, so. what did you brew today? I'm very excited. Uh, vanilla cream ale. Nice. Yeah. It's that time of year for some cream ales to start coming yeah, in and yeah. yeah, some milk stout. The milk stout, I'm sure, will get more and more popular as it gets colder. Probably, so, yeah. um, no, I can see why this is a brewer's favorite. This is great. Do you guys have anything else, any new beers you're brewing or any events coming up besides uh, Stout Day that you're really excited about? Um, I mean, you're brewing new beers all the time. Yeah. It's I mean, the, dizzying. the calendar, it really is dizzying. Um, but the calendar is, is just filling up with cool stuff. We're actually, so I should mention that the team that we've hired yes, here is yeah. amazing. And uh, everyone has a super unique skill set. And um, so we're starting to we're starting to work in some collaborative recipes between the brewers and I. And it's already looking really fun. So one of my favorite that we have coming is we're going to do a graph. So um, one of my brewers, Sammy, she was a cider maker out in Colorado for the first half of her brewing career. And so we're going to make a, a beer and cider hybrid, which I cannot wait. Oh, that's... It's gonna, yeah, it'll be a, actually a stout cider hybrid. So is that going to be on a little more on the sour side, or...? Um, it'll, it? be, it'll be slightly tart and dry. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to like that one. Yeah, I can't wait that for that. That sounds really good. Do you know approximately when people can expect that, or...? Uh, well, so we're going to be brewing it. We actually, um, I think, hopefully today, just nailed down the juice. Um, so we'll be brewing it in the next two weeks. So hopefully within the next six weeks, we'll... That's exciting. Have it ready. Yeah, that's awesome. And we should mention um, Peter, who I know you worked with. It's did you work with him at Stone, or did yeah. you both come from Stone? No, we were we overlapped for about a year at Stone. Yeah, in San Diego. So now I left to go to Asheville, and shortly after that, he left to open Stone Richmond. And now your paths are coming together yeah, we're again. Back together. <laughs> that's got to be kind of cool to be like, hey, you. Good it's to super see you cool. Guys. Peter's awesome. He's just 
so um, it's just so nice and mm-hmm. he's incredibly smart I mean he's one of those guys that he, I mean his whole career has been in brewing he got his four year degree in fermentation science like he just knew from the beginning wow. you know that, that was what he was going to do so that's amazing. he's just an amazing wealth of knowledge it's so cool when you meet those people and you're like you knew from forever what yeah. you, were, you were on this path and that's that's so cool yeah so I wanted to uh, sort of wrap things up and, and just kind of ask you know Obviously, you're excited to, to live here and be back in Baltimore. And I follow you on Instagram. I see you're hitting up, like, all the best local <laughs> bars. I'm like, Holly is doing it right. Um, but what's sort of your favorite thing about being back on the East Coast? And, you know, you've been all around. But being back in sort of the mid-Atlantic area, like, what are yeah. you really happy about? It's... Uh... That's it's a lot of things. It's hard. To, <laughs> we've we've got time. To say. <laughs> you could go a full list. <laughs> it's kind of it's, well, one of those things is. I mean, I had a, so I had a roommate in DC, um, my undergraduate roommate, and she was from the Bay Area, and she'd always say, "Oh, I'm just not an East Coaster. I'm just not an East Coaster." I'm like, "How can you say that? This is an amazing town. Like, right. I don't even I don't even know what you're talking about." Also, the East Coast has so many different right. places in it. But so. then when I moved to San Diego, I was like, "Oh." I'm an East Coaster. Like, <laughs> I still don't know how to define it, but like, I'm an East Coaster. So, it just it feels like home coming back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I absolutely love being in Baltimore. It's like I, I know my neighbors for the first time. Like, the sense of community in Baltimore is just so tight knit and amazing. And I don't know. And I'm you know being back on the on the Atlantic. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it is it, different. There is something. I mean, obviously, California is amazing, and, and yeah. the Pacific Northwest is beautiful. Yep. And, but there is something about the East Coast that does feel really grounding, yeah. and um, people feel real here. I don't know. There is yeah. something about no, it. No, I love it, and I mean, and just Maryland in general. It's it's like you can go, you know, out towards Frederick, and then and I'm suddenly in geography that reminds me of Asheville, and yeah. I can walk next to hike next to babbling brooks and look at waterfalls and float down a river and right like i just it's everything is just so accessible or you can go out east and hit the beach yeah that's if you're missing those Asheville mountains just drive an yeah. hour and you'll start to <laughs> even just starting to see the mountains gives you like a really good feeling yeah, i think for sure i mean this is just the best of all the worlds i think well, congrats yeah. on like doing this full circle. I mean, it's great for Guinness. It's great for you. And um, if people want to sort of follow along with you or with Guinness, how can they do that on, on social media? What's the best way? Julia, we can ask you again. Yes. <laughs> Is it at Guinness US? It's at Guinness Brewery, Brewery US. US. At Guinness Brewery US on Instagram? So, yeah, on Instagram, at Guinness Brewery US. And that's for our site specifically. And you can follow at Guinness US. And that's for more of the national Got it. Place. I actually didn't even know that distinction. Yes. I'm, I'm yeah. not even following Guinness yeah. Brewery. Maybe I am. I'm not even Probably doing it are, right. Maybe you don't know. <laughs> I might not even know. Hashtag Guinness Be More. Hashtag Guinness Be More. For photos and you know p- things that people tag when they're right here in real time and what are the what are the hours for the top room so it's it's three to ten um on the weekdays and then friday saturday sunday is noon to ten that's yeah. awesome it's such a beautiful site if you guys haven't come out yet it is i mean it took me maybe 10 minutes to get here from downtown baltimore yeah it's easy um you can't miss it. There's a big white Guinness sign on the side of the highway. So come pay Guinness a visit. Say hi to Holly. Drink her amazing beers. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast Thanks, today. This was yeah, so fun. This is awesome.